Rose, Steve Dangle, Adam Wilde, and Jesse Blake. Let's go! Episode three of All or Nothing Fan Reaction. A-O-N-F-R. Nope. Jesse refuses to call it that, but we I don't care. We need the better name. BRB. Um, TTYL. You'll have the rest of our episodes by EOW. End of week? Yes. Oh. Yeah. I was like, it's EOD. EOD is end of day. You won't have that, but but you will have EO, EOW. You, you know what I what I wish this documentary had more of? What? Like office euphemisms. Ah, corporate speak? Yeah. Oh, just, hey, Sheldon, I just wanted to put a bug in your ear about something. <laughs> well... What it does have is a COVID scare, and it kicks it off with William Nylander. And context, the Vancouver Canucks are involved in this, too, because remember, they missed a bunch of games, too. This this was, uh, you know, you were kind of wondering, well, during the season, you were wondering, when is it? When is this going to potentially pop off? Because there were a thousand opportunities for it to happen. The Leafs were relatively unscathed, and then obviously they pulled Nylander off the ice. Mm-hmm. There's so many concerns involved in that but we when we were talking about the behind the scenes access we're going to get to the team with this documentary this was one of the days i highlighted as like what was that day like yeah what on earth happened yeah and how do you react as like as a teammate and a line mate of william nylanders in that moment you just finished a skate with him Mm mm-hmm yeah, and oh his my explanation God. was funny too. When he says, "I I met someone in Calgary after the game. I know I met that. someone in Calgary who might have been exposed for someone then, else. That was it, and we never got any more details ah. on who he might have met or in what location or what well, happened. I mean, if you're Willie, would you? No, <laughs> not at all. I That's just an international man of mystery. Exactly. Yeah. Um, hey, <laughs> you know, that's just you know, it's just a good old Canadian boy having a fun time in his hometown. This That's true? all true. All of that is actually true. It is his hometown, and he is a good old Canadian boy. I do think uh, uh, I, I I laughed at that, but also understand why that's a little bit dark. And then and then well, beyond all that, it's we know how it ended. Yes, everything is, was fine. Yes, right. thankfully, and he didn't get to play, which was a bummer, and like using protocol or whatever. But beyond that, um, and we haven't mentioned this room. This is the 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 Leafs video room where they all sit after the game, and they have these beautifully socially distanced chairs like to the mm-hmm. inch and what i love about those chairs is they look like the most comfortable chairs in the world and they are not cheap chairs by the way those no those chairs are, lounge those sofas are like, those are like crate and barrel chairs and yeah, those are not cheap very nice it's like and a fifty thousand dollar room oh easily <laughs> mlse spends money i think is what we learned okay <laughs> we need well i'm not letting this go adam is right about the office no he's right about tupas's office it's so ugly why wasn't he sitting in one of those chairs i know no, i why if, do the players get better Dubis, chairs? If Dubis wanted a better office, he would have it. It is very adequate for his needs. I don't know. I'm going to fight this to the death. He's trying to stay humble? Yes. Stay true to his Kyle Dubis in that room has everything that Kyle Dubis wants. You don't think if Kyle Dubis wanted a better office, he could get a better office? I'm saying he should want for more. He has what he wants. And that's he a is warp, happy. A warm cardigan, some matching glasses. And a, and a board where you can put salary caps. That's all he wants. Here's a mag, magnet. What if it's Brendan Shanahan big dogging him? You can't have furniture till you're 40. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Only adults get furniture. 
Only closers oh, get hey. furniture here. Yeah. <laughs> we, need, we need to get the closing. You want deal. a chair? I want an appearance in the second round. We will get oh. to close. If you want oh. Oh. Okay, hey, Shannon hey. said it, not me. In the scenario in my head. Hey. Uh, so, so, so let's. Let, we'll get to the. We'll get to the Felino deal. You don't match. But what I thought was interesting is they go to this room and they've shown Keith in it a few times, including in the first episode where he was like, "Anybody else?" Mm-hmm. With the Austin Matthews quote. Um, and you see Dubas talk as though literally like talk the way we had to talk ourselves through the second wave of this pandemic in, in Toronto and Toronto. And they mentioned it, the most lockdown city in the world for like the longest amount of time. I forgot that happened. Like that was, that wasn't long ago. That man. was literally the case. Yeah. We were the, of any place in the world, we were the most locked down. And he's like, I understand it. You want to get together. You want to see your friends. You want things to go back to the way they used to. And he's getting in there and resetting. Like, guys, we are a first place team. This cannot happen. You can't meet someone after the game, unfortunately. And I know that's what you want to do, but you can't. You cannot do that. And uh, so I thought that was super interesting. And then the other clip that I love from that Calgary game, Wayne Simmons is back. That's right. And you see what it's like to play against Wayne. Because obviously... He broke his wrist, and once you break your wrist, it's never the same. So you're not going to be out there throwing punches probably right afterwards. But I, but the guy from Calgary, whoever it is, is jawing at him. I think it was Rasmus Anderson. I'm not totally sure. And Wayne just cuts him off and says, do something! Do something! Do something! <laughs> 50 times. And listen, Wayne, I don't want to fight Wayne Simmons with one wrist. I No, thank you. No. no. It's because he might hit you with that one wrist, and it'll be bad. It'll hurt. It'll, it'll hurt. It'll be now. a bad day at the office. They do get into two here, and this is where you get to see the lovely Jack Campbell. The Jack Campbell story, you know, how he was drafted, high round draft pick, didn't work out, and bounced around to organizations and finally got himself sorted out, which is kind of cool. And I, I kind of love the start of that because they introduce him right around the time he starts winning and really winning. Now, he'd won a few games beforehand, obviously, it's an NHL record, but you start to see as he comes back from this injury, and remember, Freddie was already out and Hutch had been playing. So it was sort of like, we were all at the time like, what's going to happen here? There was a very brief moment. I think it was in this episode where I think the Leafs scored a goal and they're going by the bench, giving high fives. And I'm like, who the hell is 30? Oh, that's Joseph Wool. Oh, right. They called him. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I was like, holy shit. I forgot that guy was a Leaf. Yes. Uh, That guy was a Leaf last year for a a moment in time. Yep. He was a, uh, you know, a, a groin pull away from playing. As we're going along the journey of uh, Campbell setting the record, there's one point I forget which uh, which which number it was. I think it was like ten. They they ask him to give a speech. He's like, Campbell, give a speech, and he stands up oh, and I he goes, know. "Great job, everybody!" And then he sits down. No, what was great about that is he kept he he uh, someone pumped his tires. I can't remember who. And he goes, "Great job, everybody! Great job, everybody!" And then they go, "Speech, speech." And all he does is he stands up and says the exact same Great thing. job, everybody. So he just, it's not even that that's his speech. It's that he had already given it sitting down. Yeah. And he just has to say it again because he's the nicest human on earth. Great job. If there's a Mount Rushmore of most likable Toronto Maple Leafs yeah. ever, he will be on it. Right next to Ty. I hope so. Yeah. He's, he's just a lovable human being. There's, a, there's something about him that you're like, man, I feel like everybody around, everyone wants to be around this guy. And it's genuine. It's not a phony... Because you're around, sometimes you're around people that that, that fake positive stuff. You can't mm. be that, you can't be that kind of fake positive that long. No. <laughs> I wonder what kind of impact that has on the guys in terms of 
they want to win for him. You know, I assume as that streak builds and you love this guy so much as a person, you play a little harder because you want to win for this goaltender. Yeah. And you know that behind you, if if you if a puck gets through you, this guy, like you you really want to make that save and he's gonna be there and you're gonna play a little hard defensively because you don't want the puck to get through because you want Campbell to win. And it's it's not just you love this guy and you want him to win. The record matters in this case. And it's almost like... Uh, yeah, it's not some nefarious stat. This is mm-hmm. a big deal. It's like being a shortstop and a ball's hit into play and your pitcher's throwing like a perfect a no, game. A no-hitter. Or yeah. a no-hitter. And you're like, I I have to catch this. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm what's... The, it's his record or it's his accomplishment, but it's my responsibility. Yeah. Yeah, this right? no-hitter is not stopping because I make an error. Like, somebody's got to get a hit. Right. Like, there are no-hitters in perfect games throughout MLB history, and it's not the pitcher's fault yeah. that it ended. It's some other guy, and you don't want to be the guy who makes the mistake that ends Jack's streak. Right. Right. And, you know, you look at a guy, like, and you see the, the camaraderie, right? Like, <clears throat> we saw it. And we mentioned it during the podcast at the time, but when Jack would win, Mitch would come up and he would do the count with him. Mm-hmm. And he did it up to 10. And they mentioned that, yeah. And they kind of kind of talk about, I'm glad they highlighted that because I forgot about that. Again, it's a nice moment. You watch, the, you watch the first four episodes of this documentary and go, boy, what a great season. Well, it was it was such a great season. It, it killed me. But I remember, you know, everyone think about how negative I was this summer justifiably. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember during the season being like, this is one of the most likable Leaf teams ever. That's awful because of how it ended. Like, it makes it worse. <sighs> but, like, that moment... Mitch does so well in those moments, yeah. by the way. Like, he understands... He knows how to amplify the fun when fun is being had. Yes. Uh, that's why, like, we, we got to alter our predictions for the Leafs outdoor game with the Sabres. Right, because that's an easy loss for the Leafs. We kept saying, but it's also an afternoon game, which means Marner's good for like four or five points. Right. Also, Adam <laughs> like, is the one who was saying. Yeah, that. because I'm. Oh, you like, said that. Yeah, I big, said they're gonna win. Oh, big well, stage. I agreed. Meh. Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah, big stage. Meh. Afternoon. Afternoon though. Afternoon. Which they were. Ne- the Leafs have never been good at afternoon games, by the way. No, that's why they blew the four-one lead in the Centennial Classic. Is it was light out when the game began, but dark by the time it ended. Right. And yeah, it was minus eight. Million. We got the they, most fun. They can't defend in the dark. The no. most fun <laughs> game that the Leafs have played in the last five years is the uh, Carolina game. Easily, the yeah. the, the kids, the, the kids. The, yeah, the that was gen? that was in the middle of the afternoon. Yeah, it was one of the happiest days of my life. Yeah. Leafs one eight six, and I got to tell all my friends my wife was pregnant. It was awesome. Oh, that yeah. <laughs> oh, well, I forgot about that. That's <laughs> wow. right. Yeah, that that was the day we told everybody. It was um, so great. Uh, then there was the. Uh, uh, you know, the, the fact that, you know, they get through the win streak and the Jack Campbell story, it's amazing. But then you hear Keith say, it's a fragile group. Yep. Uh-huh. And you think, you know, when he says it, they're not quite totally through the 11-game winning streak here. But they're on a winning streak. They've won three or four in a row at that point. But he's still not satisfied. They're a fra- Not that he's not satisfied. They're a fragile group. That is a, that's a fragile, like you could say somebody is, uh, uh, ah, they're not feeling themselves, they're not confident, they don't have their groove. Fragile is another level. 
that means something. It's, and you don't hear hockey hockey people using fragile very often unless they really mean it. It's that's true. That is a uh, you know how we talked about bad guy being the worst thing you can call a player in hockey. In hockey? Yeah. Fragile's a hard that's a tough word. Yeah. That's a tough word in hockey. And you know what we're seeing with their goal that they very uh, explicitly articulate in each of the three episodes, first three episodes, uh, is, and, and this is why running it back is such a tumultuous decision, is they very clearly understood the problem from before the season began. It remained a problem the whole time, and the season ended because of that problem. Ooh. That's concerning. Right. That's extremely concerning. And we haven't even talked about episodes four and five yet. Right. <laughs> right. This is this is, uh, this is they, tough. Well, they do jump from fragile to Muzzin and Hall golfing in uh, Muzzin's backyard, which so, I love. So this is one of the things with Seattle. And, you know, we talked about Hall and, you know, why don't you just expose him? And then there was a the whole thing about you, you can't get players like that for $2 million. Um, but... I also kind of forgot, like, it, and this reminded me, like, Hall's, he's another loose guy. The team really likes him. Okay. He's hes a popular player with I that team. I don't know team. if that's widely known, so that's good that you mentioned that. Yeah, so, uh, like, what I remember um, stood out to me, I was at the, um, when the Leafs visited Sick Kids, and they they all, this is pre-COVID, so it's, it's one of those memories that feels like it was a thousand years ago, and really it was like two um, but the, the Leafs visit sick kids. Babcock was still the head coach and Justin Hall is doing like all the Fortnite dances, like getting his teammates to laugh while, you know, baking cookies and making the kids laugh and everything. But that was the season he played like 11 games. Yeah. And he scored mm. in the first two on the dad trip or something like that. Yeah. And, and I'm like, I remember in that moment, seeing that and watching the footage back when I was editing it going, how is this guy so positive? He's having a nightmare of a season. They won't let him play. Why are they even keeping this guy around? Why are they holding him hostage? And I think the answer is he's a mensch. Yeah. Like he's, he's, he's a really, he's a good guy. And then he got his opportunity. And, uh, and he's talking about he's a good how player we too. Need, I, what I liked about Muzzin in that clip was like, he's like, we need to spend more time together. This is good. Like he's wasn't like, so damn important. To enjoying, the team. Mm -hmm. oh yeah, enjoying oh the lockdown God. and going. We need to be spending more time together as a team. This is good. And you know, you see that in one of the previous episodes too. They're all working out together because what else are you gonna do? Yep. And I, I love, I loved that because there was like a real bond here, and there have been rumors in the past, and and all teams go through this where maybe you're just not best friends with the guy next to you, but this team really seemed close, and those two especially. Um, I, I hope that. Um, we see more of the two of them in their personal lives because it was sort of a nice little glimpse into what the two of them are like. And I understand, you know, COVID, a bit of a challenge to get them together, right? We weren't allowed to see anybody. Popular um, and like really well liked. And you could tell, I can't remember if it was this episode, when he scored the, uh, the overtime winner, um, you can tell by a teammate's reaction. Obviously, it's an overtime winner. You're going to yeah. get a big reaction. But you can always tell... I love the bench shot because you can see who looks at who first. Yeah. Yeah. And the way they look at Hall, like they loved getting one for him. Yes. It meant something to them that they got one for him. I'm sure part of that is he doesn't score very often, but he's a really well-liked and obviously funny guy 
on that team. Time check, Jess? Uh, about 15 minutes about left. About 15 minutes. Okay, that's good. That's good. Now, we go back to the COVID situation. Right. The Vancouver Canucks have, have, and I remember, you know, this was a big bone of contention. Should they even come back at all? Yeah. Yeah. Right? It was That was the topic. Should they even come back and play their last place? And they're not very good. And it, it and it's been a nightmare season anyway. And all of a sudden, they're going to come back from COVID and play after two weeks. Like this is, and these guys had it. It wasn't like protocol. They had it. But there were some arguments, interestingly enough, that, yeah, okay, they've been bad, but that doesn't mean they will be bad. And there's enough, they have enough games left because they've been off for so long that they could theoretically make the playoffs. Yes. Right. And yeah. you remember the whole fiasco of them coming, uh, being scheduled to come back on that Friday and then them talking with the NHL and then it got delayed. And then Right, because they, they're like, we can't do this. It was too soon. And then Dubas got And then Dubas on the phone is like, Vancouver couldn't play five and seven, but you're making us play five and seven. Yeah, why are we that? getting? Yeah, so fucked, they want said. us to play back to back here or back to back there, and I forget what the days were exactly. But I think what pissed him off the most, and that's what's so interesting about that scene, is like you know we can do it, but they can't. Mm -hmm. What the hell? Fair, but I think he's more upset by the fact that, and I don't know if it's fully known how it happened, but I get the sense that he's pissed off because it feels like to me. It happened because somebody was irresponsible. Oh, with the Canucks. As in he knows how it happened. And it happened because somebody was irresponsible. I've heard whispers. And I have that. heard whispers as well. Yeah. And so I, I Jesse think. Jesse told me. Jeff, uh, <laughs> and he whispered it in your ear. No, it's, yeah. He just took, gently rocked you from behind and whispered that. Guess what I heard. Okay, that's enough. That's enough. That's enough. We didn't need the I love you forever visual. But it was it was just interesting to hear him go, yeah, like and, and you never get to see Kyle Dubas get mad about anything. About anything ever mm -hmm. in front of the media. So him getting like, I don't understand why we that's gotta be our problem. Having him He yell, wasn't even like, that mad, but, but he was mad. But he's, he, he was <laughs> yeah. elevated, which right, we never right. get to see. I was I was cool to see that. And honestly at the time, did we make that much of a big of a deal of the scheduling? I think we did because we understood what Vancouver was dealing with. Like, yes. I think we, we definitely sided with that it was too early for them to come back. 100%. But I don't think anybody really noticed the Leafs' perspective of that, hey, now they have to do that same thing. Yeah. Well, and I, I feel like there was an air of, well, what do we do, though? Right. There's no other option. The season has to end on a date. Like, what do you do other than, uh, like, okay, there are no tickets sold. So hypothetically, could you literally scrap the schedule entirely for all seven Canadian teams and completely rewrite it? Ooh. But how do you do that? There's TV implications, yeah. right? Do, um, you know, does every team have to have the same amount of home games? Th these are all things that I'm sure were discussed. And we, at the end of the season, we realized that something like that's never going to happen because the NHL played three games after everything was wrapped up just because those three games had to be played oh for, my God, I no, for no reason in the standings other than like, hey, these were scheduled and there's advertisers and there's TV rights and we need to play these three games and the other team's playoffs are delayed because of this. I, I forgot about that. I completely so we're, forgot we're, about They're that. never going to just cancel a game. Well, and, and it's funny because I've talked about how Calgary finished the season, I think it was with more wins than Montreal, mm -hmm. who made it to the Stanley Cup final, and Calgary missed the playoffs entirely. 
well, it wasn't quite that close because I don't remember how many of those final few games they won, but they came after the season was yeah, done. I think it was for everybody else. Two, two, and th- two of three for Calgary. I think you're right. Yeah. I, God, what a weird man! <laughs> oh, I forgot man. All after about the season's that. done. Yeah. What a, are we? What a can we yeah. get to the other Dubas moment? Well, and this is what is it like when a guy makes a trade? <sighs> and this isn't any sort of trade. This is a guy that is tra- tra- trading for like trading a first round pick. And that's a big deal. Time check, Jesse, by the way. Uh, 10-ish minutes. Okay, great. So, first off, leading up, you find out how how difficult this trade deadline is because they know that if Freddie's not healthy, they need a goalie. And they don't know if Freddie's healthy. And they don't know, and they can't get a sense. And the trainer's like, eh. <laughs> I don't know either. Right? He can't. Is, is Freddie off the ice already? Yeah. I believe is the yes. quote from Keith. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Is this... Uh... Oh, yeah. It's amazing how little they seemed to know of the situation. Right. Yeah. And it makes what years ago Mike Babcock said, I don't know what the injury status is. I'm just told when he's ready to play. That's literally how and it works. That's probably how it needs to go because you don't want the GM going, so are you ready yet? Because you're going to feel under pressure, right? Yeah. The whole point is to get him healthy. So the so the the trainer acts as the in-between. And, I mean, so Freddie's not healthy. So they got to worry about what they're going to do with their picks and they still want to go out and get a forward who's going to make an impact. And Nick Foligno is the guy they choose. And it's so interesting to hear the the call because everybody's sitting around the desk in a much nicer office than Dubas has with a, a big desk. <laughs> and because it's it's because Shanny's in that office. Shanny's not spending time in Dubas's Saying office. Saying nothing and nothing. looking terrifying. Yes, he isn't. He says quite a bit. Imposing. Have you ever stood next to Shanahan? Yes. Okay. Okay. So, are you about the same height as? I think. I think I might be taller. So, when I worked for (laughs) the Leafs at uh, Leafs TV, he walked by, and and it was just like everybody kind of watches, and then he he looked at me and he said, "Hello," (laughs) and I said, "Hello, Mr. Shanahan," and I am almost thirty at this point, and I'm still intimidated. So, I can only imagine what it would have been like. And so, Dubis rightly picks up the phone and leaves the room to have the conversation, but he's mic'd. With Yarmo Kekalainen. And Yarmo, being Yarmo, who's kind of a badass, oh. wants a, He's so good at what he does, man. He like, wants a third round pick. A first and a third. He's like, listen, I got four teams with a first round pick. You want to get this done, you gotta give me something which else. Which you can't validate. It's yeah, it's you, negotiations. You can lie on the other end if you want. Yeah, hundred percent. You could say it. <laughs> I'm sure maybe one or two of those is true. Maybe not four. But he says, "Dude, this is what it's going to take to get it done. Can oh. I get your? Can I get your?" Uh, I uh, can't. He couldn't trade his third because he had it tied up in something else. I think he said. Right. Mm-hmm. So then he said, "Which well, I think was Riddick." Yeah, he wanted to give him uh, uh, a fourth, fourth. Uh-huh. and Yarmo said, "Well, no, you're going to give me your third next year." And he's like, "I don't want to trade away next year because I don't know where we're going to be at next year." Uh-huh. So then he's like, "Well, it's going to have to be two fourths then." It's going to have to be soon. I wanted, I, I wish we could have got his call with the Sharks. Oh. Because they were the third team. Yeah. <sighs> right? To make that happen? Yeah. That would have been nice. Um, but uh, you definitely saw, you see how it's it's like Alan Walsh described, kind of, except he was talking about um, contract negotiations. This, uh, this trade happened in 30 seconds. Yeah. Uh, they just, you know, I'm sure there was a month's worth at least of framework that led up to it. But what ultimately mattered 
was about 30, 45 seconds. Mm-hmm. And then it was, it, what is it? Alan said, uh, deadline clears your head, basically. Yeah. Uh, yes. And yeah, it clarifies the mind. Clarifies the mind. That's it. Beautifully said. So I don't think Shanahan liked how it was I don't handled. either. You don't think so? <laughs> okay, tell me about that. Because I didn't think he was that bad about it. That wasn't the impression I was left. Go ahead. He definitely, I thought, well, and even, even Dubas's body language a little bit. He's uncomfortable with it. He's uncomfortable because he understands the weight. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because the whole talk is the group is fragile. The group is fragile. But then you see a little bit of fragility with the management in that moment because they understand the weight of what they've just done. Mm-hmm. They talk about how important Nick Felino is to the group. And oh, healthy Nick Felino with that group, I really do think was such a good fit. And it's such a damn shame. And I'm sure we're going to learn more about that. Um, but that, that to, if you give up a first and two fourths for a player, you want them bad, bad, bad. And as soon as you hang up that phone, it should be high fives around the room, yelling and And screaming, jumping up and down. And it wasn't the president's barely saying anything. Mm -hmm. And the GM is just like, yeah, well, you know, I would have felt dumb if uh, I let a fourth round pick get in the way of, and he's like flippantly talking about fourth round picks. Like I draft some pretty good players in the fourth round. It was, um, they understood the weight of this. This was a risk. No one's going to pay more for anyone at this deadline. Um, And we have to win. Mm -hmm. We have to. We already had to. Now now we have to even more. I think post-deadline, like the following three, four months when we're talking about that deadline, and we see that that was the biggest price paid on that day. And it felt like in that moment they realized, hey, we overpaid extremely for this guy. This better work out. And it wasn't happy and it wasn't the joyous moment that they got Felino. And I don't know if it's a failure because of how it played out or if if you can classify it like that because with retrospect. But in the moment, it definitely was just a risk play and not winning a deal. I think everybody realized that. You... I mean, you have to overpay when there's a bidding war. And there were four, four first-round picks in play. Four According to Line, I think and, Dubas, got, Dubas got a little bullied in that moment. Yeah, but, you know, it's, it's a GM using leverage in a season where he's had none. Yeah. Like, you're, you're, it, there's, le- there's leverage in being a good team. It's it's great to be the GM and of a good team. And not being fragile and not having everybody know it. Well, and that, mm-hmm. but then... It is very interesting that I that want, video is out there now. I want to um, see Dubis an hour later, Brendan Shanahan saying, Taylor Hall went for this. Oh, I want to see that. Oh, you know, like you sat on. there and you gave him these two fourth round picks and the and a first for Nick Felino, And then you check your, your phone. You see on the TSN app or on the 800 screens in the back, Taylor Hall. First, what is it? First? Second. Second, second. Anders Bjork. And I don't know. Something that you could have easily paid, played, uh, paid the price for. You I know? think the Leafs, if they had gotten Taylor Hall, would have had to pay a first. That's oh, that's what. That's I think. on them then. Well, I just think that's oh. what the leverage you would give them. But yeah. Anyway, it was it was a fascinating scene. <laughs> that was one of my and then well, and the Leafs, uh, the, sorry, the Columbus probably wasn't getting offered a first by anyone who was leading their division. True. The Leafs were right. right? So that's why so Ryan, their their pick was low value because they're hoping to. I mean, geez, if you're Columbus, 
you got to be thinking, I'm trading my captain to a team that's winning their division. They're getting to at least the third round, which knocks their first round pick down, down to, to like, one of the bottom four picks of the round. Yep. So it's basically second. 27th, 28th, or no, sorry, 28th, 29th, 30th, 31st. Ah! Ah! Second round pick from Boston. Uh, Jesse. Ah! <laughs> you oh, got and three, 32nd, I guess. You got three time, minutes? Time check me, three minutes? Three minutes. Okay, a couple of things before we go. Number one, I love uh, David Riddich, and he he likes to take two pucks to the head before every game. <laughs> every game day. Well, I wish he'd stuck around because he seems like a real personality. Big save, Dave. It makes me excited for Peter Morazic because Czech goalies are just different. They're different. They're just Dominic Hasek, Peter Morazic, Dave Riddick. I the puck the puck in the head thing we already knew. I like, <laughs> did we? I didn't know that. Which is I I remember seeing something on it, and <laughs> okay. there was there was there was um. I think it's his dog. Oh, what's your dog's name? Alvin. You know, like Alvin and Chipmunks. <laughs> <laughs> and Dubas is like, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Whatever, man. Cool. <laughs> That's and so true. There was also Freddie another Habiter. Steve moment in this episode. Oh, yeah, there was. What yeah, did I say? Was, I forgot. This is the second time you were in the <laughs> What did you say? Oh, Nick Felino. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that was it. That was great. And then lastly... <laughs> The one, the scene that that again, cost them twenty five thousand dollars, by the way. So, no, you know, no. Uh, the 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 last thing that I thought was super interesting about this one is um, Freddie Anderson, and this is the looming crisis, right? They acquire the other goalie, but they put Freddie in, and it's not good, and a lot of goals go in, and it's Steve Briere and Sheldon Keefe and Kyle Dubas, and they're all in the same room, and well, I mean, you guys know what happened. It's it's a, to me, it's one of the most staggering scenes in the whole thing, in all of the five episodes. Oh, yeah. Where they're saying, and this goal went in, and this goal went in, and Steve, Steve Breer's like, well, one of them went off in off Hyman. It's and two, Keith's, two. Two when I fought off Hyman's pants, and and uh, and Keith just goes, fuck off. Fuck off. <laughs> yeah. Like that. Like, and, you're, he's not ready, and you said he was going to be ready, but he's not ready. And it was, uh, again, this whole hockey thing not being rocket science. It was great to see in an NHL management office, hockey Twitter in a nutshell. Yeah. That was a legitimate argument is, well, what are you supposed to do when the puck goes off this guy or that guy? And it's Keefe saying, rightly or wrongly, you need a save on one of them. Well, what are you supposed to do? Fuck off. (laughs) (laughs) Find it. What's it? Yeah. Because the thing is for Keefe, you win or you don't. Those yep. goals are going to happen. They are going to happen. Fluky, fluky shit that hits someone and, you know, it's it's going to happen. But if it starts to happen a lot, which it was, you need it. Mm-hmm. What did you guys make of the, because they, they kind of re-up that moment when Kelly Rudy is on TV and he gives Steve Breer credit. And then they bring him into the room and they all high five oh, when he I says it on hockey nice. night. I thought it was nice. he, he had yeah. a great, uh, great like hockey guy line. Like, oh, I guess he got my Christmas card. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like that. Yeah. I, I like that I like one. That. And that's why you have a guy like Kelly on the air because he would be able to have that goalie perspective mm-hmm. and talk about that. So, well, anyway. he's not afraid to criticize either. No, yeah. he's not. And I guess we all assume that everybody in every hockey world watches everything on TV. Yeah. You know, they all see every intermission panel. They all know what names are being said. Yeah. Apparently. And well, and it, <laughs> it naturally as a, you know, as a, as a narcissist, 
I was like, I wonder how many of my Leafs pregame videos they've seen. And I, and I was like, specifically, did they see my Peter Holland one? <laughs> when, when remember, Peter Holland goes to the Coyotes. <laughs> Do you remember this? Peter? Oh, he scored on a... On a he goes to the Coyotes. Five and, years ago? And, yep. And before <laughs> the game, before the game, I said, how's he going to end this game? Because you know he's going to score the winner. And he fucking won it in the shootout. He did. So that did happen. You're hoping that Babcock saw that and no. gives you a high five one day. <laughs> no, Babcock <laughs> would have been on the ice, but like Dubas would have saw it. Yeah. Ah, oh, I guess. Although <laughs> it's, it was in the Lou Lamorello era, so like TVs were probably banned. Strong ending. They, yeah, they strong were all taped up. Episode, for sure. I don't think Adam liked this story. <laughs> I'm just giving you a hard time. I'm giving you a hard time because Fuck I have off. To. <laughs> There we go. We got right. there. So. Uh, two more episodes to go. You'll see one tomorrow. And the next day, it is uh, All or Nothing, Toronto Maple Leafs edition from the Steve Dangle podcast. So excited to bring you the No, next no, no. Call it your stupid name. A-O-N-F-R. Four. Four. Three. Well, three. Three. And then four tomorrow. Right. Yeah. And two more of these. Peter Holland. The Steve Dangle Podcast. Follow the guys on Twitter at Steve underscore Dangle, at Adam W-Y-L-D-E, and at Jesse Blake. Connection.